0: Welcome to the Hillington Hospital's NHS Foundation Trust podcast, a series of conversations with different members of staff to highlight some of the great work they're doing and aiming to give you, our staff, an insight into what's happening across the Trust, brought to you by the Communications and Engagement team. Okay, let's get into today's conversation. Today we're going to be talking to Christopher Geek, one of the chaplains in the Trust. Hi Christopher, It's, it's good to see you again. Um, In our previous chat, you talked in general terms about your role as chaplain, providing support for patients, their visitors and our staff. Today, I'd like to explore what you bring to your role from your very personal life
1: experience. Yes, and I'm glad once again Lucy to have this opportunity. It's an important It's important to emphasise that a central part of our role as chaplains is relating to people on a human-to-human level. So, in addition to specific work-related knowledge, skills and experience, there's a sense that the most important thing we bring is who we are as persons. And for me, a key bit is my awareness of myself as a gay man and all the LGBT implications for me and the people with whom I engage and the communities in which I live.
0: It's really interesting to hear personal stories and thanks so much for sharing yours. Perhaps you could say a bit more about your awareness of your sexuality.
1: I think my earliest awareness of being gay, although we didn't use that term very much in those days, was when I was about eight years old. It was certainly a very clear awareness even before I entered my teens, although this wasn't something I lived with very comfortably initially.
0: So you're talking about mid-1960s?
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, Homosexuality was partially decriminalised only in 1967 uh, and that was at the lower age limit of 21. So I'm talking about 1964 when I was 11.
0: What were society's attitudes at, at that time, particularly in your local community?
1: Well, there was a wide range of views. Obviously, there was a movement towards liberalisation, but there was also a conservative moral counterculture. I lived in a small coal mining village in South Wales, again, rather conservative and very macho you know men must be men that kind of attitude so you
0: feel that there was a degree of homophobia
1: again i don't think we used that term but yes it was pretty much what we would now call a homophobic community but that wasn't the whole story in fact i mean when i reflect on my childhood experience i can recall quite clear examples of tolerance and acceptance Although perhaps not so much real understanding of the issues, the topic was never discussed at home, not in any sense. But I can't believe that my parents were not aware of how I was developing and and how that was shaping my behaviour. They never gave me any hassle over it. But on the other hand, I think they also didn't connect with or respond to my particular. Vulnerability as a gay teenager. Safeguarding didn't have much of a profile back then.
0: And in tandem, you had a growing interest in theology. Was there a conflict between the spirituality and your sexuality?
1: Yes, there were obviously clashes with aspects of religious doctrine and and ethical teaching. But fortunately, in my experience at that time, there was never any particular antagonism towards me on religious grounds. I would also say that I was fortunate then and throughout my life in having a, a very wide range of close or supportive LGBT relationships within religious faith communities.
0: Some people might be surprised to hear that.
1: Yes, people might be surprised that to see the very long list of Buddhist, Christian, Hindu, Jewish, Muslim, Sikh, gay activists, and contacts in my address book. But but more recently, the main area of my activism currently is as outreach lead for LGBT Humanist UK, and and of course, humanists have been very active, in in fact, in the forefront across the world in promoting full rights for LGBT people.
0: So the lgbt dimension is obviously very important for you personally so what does it mean specifically for your role as chaplain in the trust
1: it means a number of critically important things first of all i've said many times that we need to change the perception of chaplaincy as predominantly about religion which it it most certainly isn't i'm a completely non-religious person or personal lover. Chaplaincy is predominantly about pastoral and spiritual support and within that focused emotional support being a supportive empathetic presence and a listening ear. is good and actually vitally necessary for LGBT patients and their visitors to have the availability of support from people who share their identity.
0: And and our Chaplaincy in the Trust, is, as we've been calling it, is actually called the Centre for Spiritual and Pastoral Care. I think making it clear that it's not a resource exclusively for religious people, gay or not, but for everyone, of all faiths and of no faith.
1: Yes, and even if it isn't about a shared identity, the assurance that the person providing support is knowledgeable and understanding and empathetic. This is vital. So, within my role for the past three and a half years in the trust, I've taken a lead in helping to drive forward the introduction of the NHS Rainbow Badge Scheme. It's been a long slog, but I think we're now building real momentum towards implementation. The rainbow badge sends a clear message that health workers who participate in the scheme and the trust which endorses it, have knowledge and understanding and empathy in relation to LGBT identity, not box ticking tokenism, but a genuine commitment to rights and inclusion and fully rounded healthcare in all its dimensions.
0: We've certainly seen the the badges out and about and these days we see backgrounds on teams that are very similar to the uh, rainbow badge. But you you've also played a part in creating an LGP LGBT network at work. Haven't you? Yes.
1: There's there's the issue of support for staff members who identify as LGBT. So I've also taking the lead and helping to drive forward the development of the LGBT plus allies staff network. And that's a vehicle for supporting LGBT plus patients, uh, their visitors and staff, shaping trust policy in relation to LGBT issues and celebrating the presence and the contribution of LGBT people to the life and work of our hospitals.
0: The LGBT group has been a really positive contribution to the workplace. And of course, not everyone wants to discuss their sexuality. And it's fair to say that they might not expect a gay chaplain.
1: Yes, when I express it, I sometimes get strange looks. But as I said earlier, the essence of chaplaincy is pastoral support and spirituality. And the essence of spirituality is wholeness the wholeness of the person and the wholeness of the communities. At the end of the day, Lucy, it comes down to human rights and justice and respecting diversity and extending inclusion. I couldn't understand, frankly, and I couldn't respect any chaplain who didn't share that understanding. So, I mean, I feel my LGBT focus is entirely consistent with my role as chaplain and is an authentic expression of who I am as a person.
0: Well, we think you're doing a a wonderful job and what a wonderful role to play in the Trust for patients, visitors and staff. And so for listening here, don't hesitate to contact Chris. Everyone's welcome, both religious and non-religious patients, visitors and staff. So. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Please do join in the conversation about this episode, tag us in social media and uh, send us any other comments and let us know your thoughts and we'll see you next time.